Welcome to episode 139 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber, joined as always by Paul Herman. How you doing, Paul? I am doing, doing, doing very, very well. How are you, sir? I am, I'm okay. Yeah, so uh, it's been a few weeks since we produced an episode. I was a little busy with some stuff, and then I got really sick a couple of weeks mm. ago, and it just completely took my voice out, and then uh, it came back last week, but I still didn't really think it was quite up to par uh, to do a podcast, although I was doing some stuff on the Patreon. I was toughing it out for our patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News, but uh, still wanted to, needed a little more recovery time before I came back and, and did the main show here. So on this episode, we're going to do something that, I don't know, we haven't done that much of on the show in a while. We're actually going to talk about Marvel Studios News. So we're going to go through... Uh, just a few news topics uh, that have come up over the past few weeks since we've done a show. We're not going to necessarily cover every single thing here, uh, but we are going to talk about some of the bigger stories. And I think, Paul, we might as well start by following up on the Spider-Man situation. We, of mm. course, did an episode back when all of this news broke. Uh, so that was, I mean, gosh, that's almost a month ago now. Uh, when all of this stuff first went down uh, and we found out that Disney slash Marvel Studios uh, and Sony were not going to be sharing Spider-Man anymore. So it's been a few weeks since then. Things have been said. Obviously, you had Kevin Feige talking about uh, how grateful he was, how happy he was that any sort of Spider-Man deal ever happened in the first place and that Marvel Studios got their opportunity to tell uh, the story they wanted to tell, even though we all know they would have wanted to tell more, uh, that they got to tell the story they wanted to tell with Spider-Man and the MCU uh, to close out Phase 3, to close out the Infinity Saga. Uh, but it really sounded like the, uh, even then that Marvel Studios was moving on. Sony has since weighed in on this with Sony Pictures CEO Tony Vincicara talking a couple weeks ago about how uh, the door is closed for the moment. He said it's a long life, but the door is closed for the moment on any negotiations uh, pertaining to Spider-Man between Sony and Disney slash Marvel Studios. There's no ill will, according to Tony Vincicara, but the door is closed for the moment for whatever reason. Uh, but Sony, meanwhile, plans to start integrating Spider-Man with the SUMC, Sony's universe of Marvel characters, and they feel confident that they can get things done with the Spider-Man solo franchise and any other universe he might be a part of because, as Tony pointed out, Kevin didn't do all the work uh, when Marvel Studios was producing these films, uh, these Spider-Man movies for Sony. So, Paul, having a few mm. weeks now to uh, to process all of this, as well as factor in some of the things that have since been said by the respective leaders of these companies, uh, how mm. are you feeling about this situation now? You know, to be honest, I don't think my mind has changed. I It's kind of, I'm still, like, bitter. I'm still frustrated at Sony, I understand their position. I understand this is a business. And I think from a financial standpoint, they've got to, you know, take that washcloth and just rinse every last ounce of water slash money they can out of Spider-Man before they kill it. You know, basically, uh, I understand their position. And I understand that Disney is asking for, you know, from what we understand, it, it kind of has changed as, as more reports have come out. Yeah, depending but on what reports I, you believe, Disney wanted anywhere from a 25 to 50% stake uh, right. in the Spider-Man franchise. But that includes sharing the costs, not just the profits. But yeah, yeah. And, and then Sony, according to one report, was willing to do 25. I, so I don't know which one's accurate. But either way, yeah. these two sides didn't come to an agreement. Yeah. So with all that being said, I just kind of find myself at the point where I'm not 
and I'm not trying to be the optimist here, but I kind of feel that it really anything could change at any moment. And I feel sure. that it's it's probably not going to happen, but I'm not holding my breath that or that it, it's not like meaning like I don't I don't think it's going to not not happen for sure. But I just kind of feel confident that there is a possibility still. It's a slim possibility, but I just kind of feel that with with what what Marvel and Sony have built there's too much to lose on both or on both sides I think to an extent cuz obviously Disney has a lot invested in Spider-Man because it's not just the movie rights they're invested with him they they have all the merchandising rights and mm-hmm. all that stuff so there's a lot you know and movies are huge and they're not like they're it's not like they're making Spider-Man TV series or anything or, or something along those lines so it's not like they can just the movies is what they, you know, it's how they, the pop culture can keep them entrenched. And obviously Sony has the video game rights kind of locked down as well. So they've kind of got Disney in a disadvantage in that sense with, with all that. But that being said as well, we all know Sony is incapable of making good Spider-Man films for the time being, with the exception being Spider-Verse, which again was an amazing animation animated film wasn't exactly a blockbuster at the box office either. So it remains to be seen what Sony can do. I really do believe that it, 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 things could change depending on how things are tracking with Morbius and how with Venom and how things go with that. I, I just, I don't really necessarily think it's all going to happen. It's not, not going to happen. And I think it, it is, it's not looking likely, but at the same time, We've got a while before the third Spider-Man movie is supposed to come out anyway. And I feel that there's this again, I feel there's part of negotiations. I know there's reports from different people saying that, you know, he's, he's lying, that he's just it's all part of the negotiation. He's public. He's publicly negotiating, essentially, essentially using the public to change his position. Yeah, I mean, those aren't really reports. Those are just rumors from sites that want to get right. clicks by telling fans what they want to hear. Just like the same week that Tony Vincicara was saying this stuff, there were rumors that, oh, Disney and Marvel are actually meeting this week and they're working out a new five-year deal that could potentially yeah, cover yeah. seven Spider-Man movies and all this stuff. And it was coming from the kinds of places that usually throw out a bunch of crap rumors that don't stick because they just throw that stuff out knowing that it's not true or knowing that it's not credibly sourced because they know that people are going to click on it. And even when that stuff turns out to be bogus, as all of those Spider-Man rumors did... They never get punished for it because people will still click and still visit the sites that they know are unreliable. Uh, but rather than going on that rant, since that's not what this show's about, um, yeah. just focusing on this stuff, I mean, am I completely giving up all hope that it will ever happen? No. But at the same time, I'm definitely moving past the point of expecting it to happen or getting my hopes up that we are going to uh, see this matter resolved, at least in time for Spider-Man 3. And I think that's where uh, I'm maybe the most upset and annoyed about it is because I really wanted to see the Marvel Studios version of what was going to happen next after that mid credit scene in Spider-Man Far From Home. It's really a bummer to not get that next step uh, if, if that ultimately proves to be the case. And right now, it certainly looks like that's going to be the case. I know people are saying that maybe there's hope that Spider-Man 3 won't get moving right away because John Watts got another job. He's not directing a feature film. He's directing a pilot and then executive producing a series, that doesn't mean, uh, and that pilot is going to shoot this fall. Uh, and it would take that long 
to even start breaking the story on the third Spider-Man film anyway. So there's no real uh, delay in the schedule. Of course, we don't know. John Watts is not officially signed on to direct another Spider-Man movie, so we'll have to see if he's even uh, going to be the one who directs it. But uh, right now, there's really no sign that anything is slowing down in terms of Sony's schedule when it comes to the making of Spider-Man 3. Based on their previous schedule of trying to make Spider-Man movies every two years, including two years from Homecoming to Far From Home with Marvel Studios helping out, uh, or really more than just helping out, I mean, that would mean they're shooting Spider-Man 3 next year. Are they Mm going to shoot it next year? Maybe. But if they do, I don't know that this is resolved in time to affect a Spider-Man 3 that's filmed next year. Uh, Maybe... Sony will slow this one down a bit and actually plan on putting it out in 2022 instead of 2021, which means they're two years away from production or almost two years away. That would give me a little more hope that something would happen. But right now, with both sides using language that really makes it sound like they're completely comfortable moving on, and I understand uh, the the politics of it, and, and I understand the negotiating, you know, the negotiation tactics of everybody's got to act like they're totally fine with walking away from this Spider-Man deal because that's that's all part of negotiating is you have to be willing like you're you have to at least act like you're willing to walk away from the deal Uh, and so that's what both sides might be doing right now and it might just be them projecting that but I also still think that it's going to be difficult for them to come to an agreement because I understand why each side wants what they want if you look at Disney Uh, obviously it makes sense for them to want a a serious financial stake in the Spider-Man movies if their business unit, Marvel Studios, is going to produce that movie for Sony because that's what you would normally get. If we're producing this for you, we would get more than 5% of first dollar gross. The reason why Disney was willing to take that deal before is because they really, really, really wanted to have Spider-Man in Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. Well, now that they've got that, the they can't place the same level of, of priority on future team-ups. They can't do that. They can't be willing to take a bad financial deal on solo films in exchange for getting him in the team-ups because they don't need Spider-Man in those team-ups as badly as they wanted him in those Phase 3 team-up films as well as the, the Captain America solo film. So uh, that was, well, I mean, it's still a Cap solo film, but, you know, had a bunch of people in it, including Spider-Man. So anyway, <laughs> like, Disney won't take a bad financial deal on it. At the same time, for Sony, they could say, well, look, yes, Disney, obviously, and Marvel Studios, they do more than 50% of the work, so we understand why they want more of a 50% financial stake, but we're struggling as a studio. We, I mean, although, I mean, they're doing a little bit better in the past couple of years, but you know, it's not the greatest financial plan for us to say, let's just give up 25 to 50% of the profits from our top franchise, because even though Marvel Studios helped us get the most out of that franchise we now feel like maybe we'll be okay because Venom was a hit and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, while maybe some people slept on it when it was in theaters, it was critically acclaimed. It won an Oscar for Best Animated Feature. It's been on Netflix. I'm sure people are watching it like crazy on Netflix. So it may be a situation where people who didn't go see that movie in the theater, it, it would still blow up if they make another one and put it out at the box office next time because all those people who just wrote it off because it was an animated film as opposed to live action would go, okay, well, we've since caught up with Spider-Verse, realized it was great, and this time we're not going to miss it in theaters. Because I've already heard from plenty of people who've actually said that uh, to me, as well as seeing people tweeting that, like saying, like, I really regret not watching this in the theater uh, because it's been on Netflix for the past couple months, and so now I know people have been uh, catching up with it. So Sony believes that they've got something going here with their universe, and maybe they do. Now... 
the the only thing that kind of bugged me about no pun intended uh, about the the Tony Vincicara comments is that he kind of doubled down on this idea that that the reason why this isn't working out is because of how busy Kevin Feige is and also saying, you know, making the comment of Kevin didn't do all the work. Nobody ever said Kevin did all the work. Kevin wouldn't say that Kevin did all the work. Be, but someone had to get sandwiches. <laughs> no, but it's like right? look, he he just so happens to be the greatest producer in the history of movies based on comic books, and he's yes. arguably the greatest, most successful producer of his generation across any genre or any type of filmmaking. Uh, and he's one of the he's already one of the greatest of all time. He's one of the greatest movie producers of all time. There's there's really no argument that he's not. So. He probably had something that he may not have done all the work, but clearly he's been a common denominator over the, you know, this unparalleled successful run, this winning streak at Marvel Studios. Uh, Kevin Feige has had a lot to do with that. And it's not just Kevin. It's all the people he brings with him. It's the Marvel Studios visual development department. It's the people, it's the department heads that Marvel Studios likes to work with. It's the executive producers from Marvel Studios Parliament. It's the entire team at Marvel Studios that comes on and helps with the making of these films. And they are the experts when it comes to making these movies. Uh, they are certainly uh, more proven uh, in terms of their ability to sustain the quality of a franchise or many connected franchises. Uh, they are much more proven in that respect than anyone at Sony because. Uh, well, you know, Tom Rothman, Tony Vincicare, they can say, well, you know, the other Spider-Man struggles, uh, those weren't on our watch. Well, Venom was, and Venom stunk. I'm glad it made you a bunch of money, but Venom still stunk. So I haven't seen this consistent string of quality. Uh, and that's why, and for people, you know, because that's one of the things that's come up that I wanted to comment on on the show, and I've talked about this on some Patreon shows, but, you know, there's been a lot of this talk, oh, well, the Marvel nerds are just mad because they feel like everything's got to be part of the universe. And, you know, it's better that Spider-Man's not part of it or, or this and that. And, you know, they should be willing to at least they should be willing to enjoy Spider-Man movies, even if they're not from Disney and Marvel Studios. They should be able to enjoy Sony Spider-Man movies. I can enjoy Sony Spider-Man movies. I have enjoyed Sony Spider-Man movies when they've been good. But I don't think you can really look objectively Look at the track record of Marvel Studios. Look at the track record of Sony producing Spider-Man films uh, and say that there's anything clo- that these studios are, are anywhere near each other when it comes to consistency. Marvel Studios, very consistent. Sony, not even a little bit when it comes to consistency of the Spider-Man franchise. So that's why fans are very worried about this. And yes, there is the other element to it of, you know, we would prefer Spider-Man's stories be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because we've come to enjoy that over the past few years. The movies have been good, whether it's his solo films or the team-up films that he's been a part of. All that's been really fun. All of that's been really great. So obviously people want that to continue and are disappointed to find out that, at least as of right now, it's not going to continue. So all that stuff is, you know, it is kind of a bummer. And so that's why fans are, are understandably, I think, uh, expressing so much disappointment over it. Uh, I'm not saying that every reaction is equally reasonable. Nobody needs to storm the Sony lot over this situation because Sony's not necessarily the villain here. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I, you can't expect fans to have the same level of confidence in Sony uh, that that has been developed over time and the same kind of trust that's already been earned uh, by Marvel Studios. That's why those things are, are not quite the same. And And even the idea that, well... It's better if uh, Marvel doesn't have Spider-Man because Disney's a monopoly and this and that. Disney's not a monopoly. There's not a good argument to say that Disney is a monopoly other than they're a big company. 
but they're not a monopoly. And also, it's just they are just in this weird situation where when Disney bought Marvel, there were rights to characters that were licensed to other studios. Most of that's been fixed now because of the Fox deal, but you still have this issue with Sony. But to say that you know that inherently Marvel and Disney shouldn't have Spider-Man is like saying Warner Brothers and DC shouldn't have Batman. Yeah, they should, except the difference between those situations is when Warner bought DC all those years, all those decades ago, there were no movie rights licensed out to other studios. So Sony does have, uh, they obviously have rights uh, as the license holder of the Spider-Man movie rights, and that's totally fine, uh, but obviously fans are going to be disappointed when it turns into a situation uh, that we have right now. And in terms of a resolution, Long term, I still expect one way or another the Spider-Man rights to end up at Disney and Marvel Studios. I still think that's going to happen, either because Sony fails and then they go back to Disney and Marvel Studios with their hat in hand, willing to share again or just sell the rights back to Disney and, and Marvel outright. Maybe that happens, although that's very complicated since Disney... Uh, really quickly, the reason why it's so hard for Disney to buy the rights to Spider-Man back is because... They, the Spider-Man rights, quite literally, are, are worth more to Sony than they are to Disney because everybody tries to think of the Spider-Man rights as a Star Wars deal or a Marvel deal, uh, and that's not what they are because when you're talking about the Spider-Man rights, from Disney's perspective, you are only, ex- you are only talking about uh, the profits from movies because Disney already owns everything else. They already have the merchandising rights. They already, they're already going to make all of that money anyway, so they have to spend... They can only spend what they would expect to make back on Spider-Man movies within a given time period. Meanwhile, for Sony, they see Spider-Man as their most essential franchise, their biggest franchise and, and most essential to their success and their sustainability as a studio. So that's why it's their, the price that they would want for that is more than Disney would be willing to pay unless we get to a point where Sony has completely ruined it. The other alternative is that Sony is bought by another company or Sony proper, Sony corporate, sells the entertainment division to another company, in which case the Spider-Man rights could revert back to Disney and, and Marvel Studios. At least that's my understanding of it. So if something like that something like that eventually happens one way or another, I think Spider-Man ends up back at Disney and, and, then, and therefore at Marvel Studios. But what happens in between now and then? And how much damage is done to the franchise? And how challenging will it be at that point to reintegrate Spider-Man into the MCU and and what all has transpired since then. I mean, uh, where's Tom Holland at at this point? Has Sony already finished with Tom Holland and then made another Spider-Man series with another actor at that point? I mean, right now, we just don't know how any of those kinds of things are going to work out. What I really wish had happened, and, and I've been trying to think about this not just from a fan perspective, but just trying to think from a business perspective, just looking at the numbers, what would have been the right move for Sony because I I've said and I, I I've said that I understand Disney side and I understand Sony side and I don't consider either company to be the villain in this scenario even if it means that we as fans are not necessarily getting uh, what we want most from the character of Spider-Man at this particular moment in time at least not uh, cinematically but what I wish had happened and I and I do think this actually would have been the smarter move for Sony because I think a lot of this is them trading off of confidence from just last year and they don't really and there are still so many question marks off of last year and this was what I what I was worried would happen I was worried that they would be super confident after Venom making a bunch of money that they would feel like we don't need Disney and Marvel Studios so we can make a go of it on our own and we will be just fine. The question, though, is that you know Venom being the hit that it was, 
does that mean they have a universe? I would say no. At the most, Venom by itself will be a hit franchise or is a hit franchise. Although right now it's had one hit film. Let's see how the sequel performs before we know just how 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 much we can count on or how much Sony can count on the success of this franchise in the long term. Uh, but it doesn't mean anything in terms of Morbius or any of the other characters that Sony might help to build the universe around or build the universe with. So if I were Sony, I would have made one more short-term deal. I, I would have done whatever Disney and Marvel wanted. I would have come, uh, maybe not given them everything they wanted, but come close enough to their demands in order to get a deal done for one more Spider-Man movie to make everybody happy, to pay off the mid credit scene from Spider-Man Far From Home, and it also gives Sony the gift of time. It allows Sony to figure out just how great is this Sony's universe of Marvel characters? Just how viable is the SUMC long term? Is Venom a franchise that's going to keep producing winners for us, at least financially? Do we have any other franchises within the SUMC that are going to be massive hits and make us a bunch of money? And if the answer to that is yes, then sure, bail after the next Spider-Man movie with Marvel Studios. Um, if the answer is no, then you keep making deals to keep working with Marvel Studios and Disney on Spider-Man. That's the way I would have done it if I were Sony, but obviously they feel like they feel confident enough uh, that they're ready to make a, a go of this now. And, and it sucks for us who want to see Spider-Man in the MCU. Uh, but at the same time, what I've also spent uh, a lot of uh, my attention on these past few weeks is really focusing in on the idea that that when we look at Marvel Studios, I mean, they were we were loving the MCU before Spider-Man was a part of it. And obviously, it's been great having Spider-Man be a part of it. But there's plenty of other projects that Spider-Man wouldn't have had anything to do with anyway, just coming up in the, the near future with phase four of the MCU. And I'm really excited about all that stuff. I am so pumped for stuff like Eternals and Shang-Chi and Moon Knight and Miss Marvel and, and everything that's coming to theaters as well as Disney+. Plus. We have so much Marvel stuff on the way that uh, it doesn't make me forget that uh, Spider-Man is currently on the outs with the MCU, and, and I obviously still wish he was part of it, uh, but I'm still very, very excited about the, the near and, and even distant future of the MCU. The MCU is not in trouble by any means. I've, I've heard people say this on different podcasts, and it's crazy to me that, that they doubt Marvel and Kevin Feige and the power that they have. Now, granted, I've gone on record saying Eternals does not excite does not excite me, and I know there's a lot of unknown properties that are coming out. But at the same time, I doubted them on Ant Man, and I end up loving Ant Man. So I really don't, I don't doubt them. I know that regardless of whether I I love the movie or not, I'm I know I'm not going to hate it. That much I know. I don't love Doctor Strange, but I don't hate it by any means. It's just not my one of my more favorite Marvel films. And what I think is they don't have a problem. They, people have said they have a cap and an Iron Man deficiency and there's going to be a problem there. And I just, you know, I, I just don't agree with that. Obviously, you have Captain Marvel and Black Panther and those movies are movies are coming soon. And but these new properties that are coming, I think they're going to do fine. I really do. Yeah, I mean, obviously, me Black Widow, Black Widow will be fine. Um, there's just lots of, there's, I think it's great. They're branching out and giving us a more diverse characters. And, and again, not just for, you know, just for the sake of having diversity and, and of kinds of people, but just different kinds of characters too. I mean, Shang-Chi is a different kind of character and I love that. 
So I, I like the fact we're getting a lot of variety coming out, even though I don't necessarily never, I don't, I didn't need a Eternals film, but you know what? I bet I'm going to enjoy it. So I think Marvel's is going to be just fine. And I, I will, I mean, we'll be here obviously talking about it if it's not, and there's a problem and they need to issue more, they may bring back Captain America and Iron Man somehow. And hopefully Captain Marvel and Black Panther will save them if they can't, you know, it won't be successful by them, but I just don't see it happening. There's just, there's too much. Marvel just knows how to advertise and, and write a solid story with these characters. And with something like the Eternals and Black Widow and Shang-Chi, this, it, they're going to be just fine. And obviously, I, to me, I'm obviously more excited about the television series at this point, the Disney Plus series, than maybe the films. Because She-Hulk is, is going to be a hoot, I think. I, uh, Miss Marvel uh, is going to be a lot, a lot of fun. I cannot wait to see that and how they, they promote that. And obviously, Moon Knight is probably my most anticipated thing of all of Phase 4 right now. And that is... That is to me the pinnacle. So, and and obviously Falcon Winter Soldier and, and WandaVision sounds incredible too. I mean, th- to me they're they're doing something different. They and I think I, I applaud them. So, we're getting diverse characters, diverse t- types of characters, and also diverse types of mediums of of, of the kind of things they're doing. So. This is a very much what what Marvel's doing. They're they're taking these ideas and they're taking uh, the mediums and really kind of throwing us for a loop because it's not the traditional. Here's the three two three films every year. They're doing something different. It remains to be seen if it's going to be successful. But do do we really doubt Marvel at this point? I mean, I'm not even trying to be a homer because I'm not saying that I love every single Mar- uh, you know Marvel studios film because those who know me and follow me on Twitter and whatnot, know I don't really love guardians of the galaxy volume two that much. And I'm not a huge fan of Dr. Strange too. And, or, uh, as, or the first film. So, I mean, there's reasons to be, you know, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to slam everything out of the, out of the ballpark, but to, to really count them out, I just, without Spider-Man and, and all these other things, I just don't. And I think what they're doing is diversifying themselves in so many different ways. It's only going to help them. And I think, I think they're going to nail most of their stuff. And I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah. I'm really excited about the future. And, and I know it's, it's obvious. I am a huge fan of this universe. I've said a lot of nice things about this universe and the films in this universe over the years. Um, all of those things, I, all of those compliments, I believe, are well-earned by the product that's been put in front of me. Um, but obviously, here I am hosting a show that's called Marvel Studios News. We dedicate a lot of our time <laughs> discussing this universe, these films, this particular studio. So I, I understand that it's easy to just write us off as, as homers and just being completely yeah. biased and, and whatever. Fine. Uh, but I, I think if you actually look at the specific arguments we've made in favor of these films over the years, I think they mm-hmm. hold up. So yeah. uh, I, I stand by everything that I've said in support of the MCU. And because of all of that, it, that's why I have the confidence. And even for, with something like Eternals, and, and I know you're not the only one, Paul, who feels that way of you know having that question mark of, well, how excited am I for this movie? But I remember a lot of people, not you, Paul, because you were, you were legitimately pumped for it from the get-go, but a lot of people had that question mark uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy uh, several years ago mm-hmm. when that was first announced, and look at what Marvel Studios has turned it into. Uh, yeah. By the time the second movie came out, it was already a ride at Disney California Adventure. I mean, it is this massive thing, Guardians of the Galaxy, and as far as the Cap and Iron Man deficiency, or even if you want to uh, throw in 
a uh, a Spider-Man deficiency as well. Black Panther made more money than in his first movie ever. Black Panther more money than any Iron Man, Captain America, or Spider Man film ever made, including Captain America getting the boost of having all the other Avengers, Captain America or Black Panther included in Captain America: <laughs> Civil War. Um, so, I think Marvel's just fine, and even something like Captain Marvel over one point one billion dollars in the debut for that character, and that character hadn't even been unlike Black Panther and Captain America: Civil War. Captain Marvel had not been in any previous movie. Just first movie out the gate, $1.1 billion. Uh, the only thing that movie audiences had seen from her was the, her little logo on a pager. And those most of those general audience members had no idea what that was. They were asking their comic book nerd friend, what did that? What the hell was that logo? Because there were plenty, when I saw Infinity War, there was plenty of that. What was that at the end? They were cheering for it and then asking what it was because they did not know. Uh, so... Uh, suffice to say, like Marvel Studios has done an incredible job, uh, a better job than I've seen anybody do. It's one of the most impressive things to me about Marvel Studios is the way they've been able to take characters that general audiences have just no, little to no idea about and turn those characters into global mainstream pop culture icons and household names. So I think Marvel Studios will continue to be able to do that. With the, and Will there be the occasional miss? I mean, at some point they got to miss. I mean, at some point it has yeah. to happen statistically, but uh, I don't think it will ever turn into a scenario where Marvel Studios is consistently missing. And I'm not saying any of these Phase 4 are going to be the one miss for Marvel Studios because I have a lot of confidence in each project. Uh, I don't think I'll see it coming in terms of which one it's going to be. Uh, because right now I, I'm very confident in what they will do with Eternals and Shang-Chi and, well, Blade. I mean, there's obviously some familiarity cinematically with the Wesley Snipes films, but it's still been a while since those movies. So, you know, I, I think they'll do great stuff with that. They'll do great stuff with Disney Plus stuff with Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, and that's not even counting the things that audiences already have some familiarity with, like WandaVision and Loki and Hawkeye, which we'll talk about a bit in our Patreon credit scene, um, you know, and obviously Falcon and Winter Soldier, which will be the first Disney Plus series out of the gate. I think Marvel Studios' future is just fine with or without Spider-Man. So that that's not the part of it that upsets me. I, I don't get upset about this or, or annoyed about it because I'm worried about the MCU uh, without Spider-Man. It's not that. I mean, I would ideally love to have Spider-Man continue being a part of it, but it really has more to do with my, my fear of what happens to the Spider-Man franchise in yeah. Sony's hands because I don't trust those hands. Tom Holland might, but I don't. Uh, so, because uh, yeah. I've, you know, I, I've been around a little bit longer than Tom Holland and I've seen the good and the bad. So uh, I, I just don't have... Uh, I don't have a ton of confidence in Sony, but I have plenty of confidence in Marvel Studios and in their future. But before we get to that future with Black Widow in May of next year, we're going to be able to look at the entire Infinity Saga later on this year. I mean, we can already watch the entire Infinity Saga. As we're recording this episode, Spider-Man Far From Home is at least available digitally. Physical copies don't come out for another couple of weeks. But the entire Infinity Saga can now be, at, in some form, uh, can be watched at home. Uh, but there's going to be another way to watch it, which we suspected that this was going to happen. There was no doubt that something like this was, was most likely going to happen. But Kevin Feige did confirm as much during a pre-taped acceptance speech for the Saturn Awards. He was the first ever uh, honoree of the, uh, for the Stan Lee World Builder Award. I can't think of a better person to be the first uh, honoree of the Stan, or the first recipient of the Stanley World Builder Award than Marvel Studios President Kevin Feige. Uh, but during that acceptance speech, 
Kevin Feige confirmed uh, that there would be an Infinity Saga set uh, later this year, and it would have material from what he called the vault. And it has deleted and, and alternate scenes uh, that have never been shown before on previous Marvel Studios home releases. And we actually got to watch one of those because uh, Kevin Feige premiered one of those during that pre-taped ex- acceptance speech. And it was an alternate version of the post credit scene from the first Iron Man film with that uh, famous meeting between Tony Stark and Nick Fury. We're going to talk about that alternate version of that scene in just a bit. But Paul, right now, with this Infinity mm. Saga box set, having, I mean, we figured it was going to happen, and, and I know Feige yeah. has said that they would probably do it, and I think Victoria Alonso uh, said that they, I think she also said earlier this year that it was you know, most likely something that was going to happen. But here he was actually saying that they're doing it. It's coming out later this year. We don't have any specific details on it, though. Uh, we don't have a specific release date. And I think the advantage of that right now for this episode is we're free to mm. dream up and, and say whatever we want uh, and build out our wish list. Not mm-hmm. that it's going to help, because even in the event that somebody at Marvel Studios or Disney Home Entertainment listens to this podcast, they mm-hmm. probably have already set in stone what the features are going to be on this box set. Uh, but we might as well go ahead and dream anyway, just as fans. So mm-hmm. when you think about an Infinity Saga box set. And he did say, Feige did say the entire Infinity box set. So I'm taking that to mean all 23 films. They've got Universal mm-hmm. on board with the Incredible Hulk, like they did with the Phase 1 box set back in the day. I uh, can't believe we can already say back in the day uh, for Marvel Home <sighs> releases. Um, but it's been several years, so it's close enough. Yes. Um, and then, uh, obviously, Sony is most likely going to uh, be playing ball with with Homecoming and Far From Home to be part of this box set. So it looks like we're getting a 23-film Infinity Saga box set from Marvel Studios at some point this year, Paul. Mm, mm. What do you want on it? I, honestly, I'm going to be here a while, so just bear with me. Yeah. There's a lot of things that come to mind. Yeah. And well, let's least... let's set this up because I I want to I want you to think about I want you to think about in terms of value because you mm. own all of these films, correct? Yes, I do. I do. Well, except you and I, I'm I'm not giving uh, Sony double money, so I'm not paying for Far From Home digitally. <laughs> I'm waiting for my physical copy. So, oh yeah, yeah. yeah but by the yeah. time this set comes out, uh, I will own every single one of these films, uh, multiple copies of of most of them uh, yeah, across Blu-ray and and of course 4K. Yeah. So, as someone who already owns every single movie and knowing that the, yeah. the price for this thing is probably going to be ridiculous because it's 23 movies and they'll probably be in 4K uh, as well mm-hmm. as, you know, in, in 1080. Right. So yeah. what is actually going to make this work? What do you want on this that would actually make it worth it to you? Well, again, yeah. So that if, you, if you put it like that and if we think about what would make me want to buy it well deleted scenes one thing is huge i love deleted scenes one of the things about star wars that i loved for years is that george kind of always held back what he when he put out and when the dvds came out the original uh star wars dvds they were cool but he didn't put out everything and then we put out the blu-ray set he put deleted scenes on there and those deleted scenes i could not wait to devour because we'd seen stills of things and whatnot and so deleted scenes are always important but i feel that they put a lot on there already mm-hmm. so for me if i had if it was going to make me buy it would have to be and this is going to be a tall order the, I'll, I'll start with the first one which i think a lot of people are gonna be like oh, i don't need that but it's for me this is my own personal thing 
would be more documentaries, featurettes. I'm a big documentary person on Blu-rays and DVDs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the ones we get on these on these uh, movies now aren't really that great, in my opinion. They're not bad. They're just not great. And what I would love to do is dive even deeper into the correlations between the comic books and the movies and the making of the films and more talking with the directors and the writers and what inspired them, what didn't inspire them, what didn't work, what, you know, we we talk about, they do a lot of that in the commentaries, but go even deeper into it and get into the ideas of how these movies are broken down in with comic books, you know, how does it, again, how do the comic books correlate with the films and do they, you know, all that stuff. How do these films get made? Really give us the nitty gritty and go deep into it. That's what I want to see. And I know some of that is not always for everybody, but that's what entices, you know, people to go and, and buy these things for the extra features. And, and again, if you give me more deep content like that, that to me, I love that stuff. I watch that stuff all over the place on on my movies that I get now that that offer it and think think of uh the Batman uh 89 set or the DVD set, Blu-ray set that came out that just got re-released on 4K which I will complain about later in, in a tweet which I'll get to <laughs> later but um because I haven't received it yet it came out today yes bye uh, anyway sorry <laughs> um but uh but yeah but if you remember that box set and then and the original Blade Runner DVD box set beautiful special mm-hmm. features out the wazoo and that's what I want I want to give me enriched content that's exclusive to the set that it will make me like it's hours and hours and hours of extra content like that that would make me go ugh and I may have to do it that would be the first thing that I need to kind of like the first kind of gut punch you will you know for the knockout so at first i hit the stomach with that but this is the knockout punch and i'm curious what you think with this Mm. sean but for me the the final knockout the uppercut blow or you know maybe (laughs) fly you know fly you immensely back or whatever would be kevin feige commentaries Mm. that that to me would be because and maybe other people that are involved uh, i don't i'm not as familiar with the names as, as well as much as you are but People that are that in, you know, Russo brothers, maybe, or Marcus McFeely, because those are obviously huge names in, in the in the Infinity Saga. John Favreau. That's what I want. We need to have uh, Kevin Feige going deep, and again, maybe just interviewing Kevin Kevin Feige and 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 stuff like that. But like mainly commentaries with Kevin Feige, even by himself, I bet would be an, an incredible experience. And that to me, with, with deleted scenes, with with more featurettes documenting the comic, you know, comic books and the movies and in the making of them and, and all that stuff, documentaries, et cetera, with commentaries, Kevin Feige, John Favreau, things like that, that'll make me pull the trigger in a heartbeat. Well, not in a heartbeat because it's going to be a lot of money, but maybe yeah. I'll wait. So, and all, obviously too, and, and one last thing, I sorry, I've been talking a lot. Um, no, no, no. One of the things that I, I went on for like that, 18 minutes talking about the Spider-Man situation. So you're you're, you're good though. <laughs> you're, you're you're good. So one of the things I think you need to have, and I don't have the um, the Phase Two uh, Infinity. Uh, the, the, I'm sorry, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, the, the orb. The orb. I don't have the orb, but I have the original um, the the shield case with yeah. all that cool stuff that comes with. That if you if you deck it out with with tons and tons and tons of little stuff like that, then you might get my money. But again, it had to be all of that put together with one giant 
uppercut blow in the face. But the problem is for me, because I've been buying these all individually, I didn't think they'd offer anything that would make me want to buy it. Because the deleted scenes by themselves don't, let's be honest, that's going to be thrown up somewhere bootlegged on YouTube pretty fast. And even the, even, but even the um, documentaries you could say would be, but the commentaries by itself would be a little bit harder to bootleg that. You'd have to have someone rip all those things individually, which people will probably do and be awful about it, but that's just reality. But it's going to be harder to go in there. But to do all that at once and put in all that extra cool physical con uh, content like what the shield case does, which I'm not sure if the orb does or not, but if you do something like that, then it might entice me. But the price has to be somewhat reasonable because, I mean – Let's be real. Twenty three four Ks with at thirty bucks a piece. No, nah, I mean they're not going to be. It's not going to cost you thirty bucks a pop. Um, I hope not. No, it, but, it's not. So yeah. Uh, I, I but even if you, even if you say you're averaging ten bucks a movie, that's two hundred and thirty bucks. That's more than the. Uh, that's more than the phase one or phase two box sets were. Uh, obviously, it's way more films. So um, yeah. Yeah, it's when I think about what I want from this. Because here's the thing, they've got my money. I'm buying it. I, I, I just are, am. Yeah. I, I collect this stuff, and yep. that's why uh, I've gone ahead and and I've ordered. I mean, I have most of them. The last batch comes in in a couple of weeks. The the la including Far From Home, but also the last ones that they've gone back and done in 4K. Uh, I will own a 4K steelbook for all of these movies. And so obviously have all of these movies. I mean, I have Blu-rays for these movies before they started releasing them in 4K and then have now have everything in 4K. Uh, and I have that physically and I have it digitally. I've got that all squared away. A lot of these movies I've bought multiple times. And as I said, you know, with like phase one and phase two, I've got those movies in their individual packaging and I've got them in their uh, in their box set form. So these are movies that I've already bought. Uh, multiple times, and and I bought all of these 4K steelbooks knowing full well, and, and or at least expecting that we would get an Infinity Saga box set. That we that once this was all done, that we would get all of the movies. Uh, most of that time, I was thinking it would be a 22 film set. I wasn't really thinking of Far From Home as the end of the of the saga. Uh, but either way, just knowing that I was going to buy a massive box set for the entire thing. Uh, and, and I knew that even as I was buying all these 4K steelbooks individually, because I, I wanted to have the 4K steelbooks and I want to have whatever this box set is. And so I hope the packaging is cool. I hope whatever they use to display the discs is cool. I would imagine it's going to be something built around an Infinity Gauntlet. I mean, what else could it be uh, for the Infinity Saga if it's going to have kind of a prop element to it like the phase one set had with the briefcase or the phase two set had with the orb um, of course i mean who knows maybe there will be a phase three box set with packaging to go with the phase one and phase two box sets and a separate infinity saga box set i think it's just mm. going to be the infinity saga box set um, but i mean i know there are other phase three box sets that you know are just the films kind of assembled in some cheap cardboard packaging i'm not talking about that i'm talking about the real deal uh, like we had with the Phase 1 and Phase 2 uh, box sets. So with this Infinity Saga box set, I think really cool packaging pretty much goes without saying. Um, as far as the deleted and alternate scenes, I'm very excited to watch all of that stuff. Um, but will that make me feel like I got my money's worth? I guess it depends. If they're all like this alternate scene, uh, this alternate version mm -hmm. 
of the post credit scene. Uh, if they're all this good, then I'll probably be fine with just that <laughs> because this one was yeah. really cool. It gave it gave me a lot to think about and gave us a lot to to talk about to, that we'll be chatting about here in, in a little bit. But um, because I already know I'm going to spend the money, I'm just hoping that I will feel like I'm I'm really getting my money's worth out of it, not just for the sake of being a collector and having it to put on a shelf, but really feeling like uh, the extra content that's a part of this uh, is also at least worth some of the price. Because this set is going to be, I mean, I don't know where it's going to land. Somewhere, you know, $250 to $500, somewhere in there. I mean, this might be where this is at. And so uh, with as much as I expect this set to be, I don't know that there's any amount of bonus content that can truly be worth it, Um, you know, but at least make up, a significant chunk of the price. So I know that the rest of it I'm paying, you know, for the sake of, of being a collector and and having this stuff. So when I'm thinking about the, the extra stuff I want besides deleted in in alternate scenes, there is something that I wanted on the end game home release that we didn't get. And and I want a feature link documentary. I'm not, not featurettes. I I want a legit feature link documentary, or if it's not quite feature length, no less than 45 minutes. (laughs) Like I want something that's a legit behind the scenes thing. And, and I actually would, I wouldn't mind having two. I I wouldn't mind having one that was dedicated to infinity war and Endgame as this massive two film back to back project, uh, you know, undertaking Mm -hmm. for the Russos and, and Feige and everybody at Marvel studios. I want something like that, but I also want something that really spans the length of the saga that gives me stuff that I've never seen before. And I don't know what they have because I don't know what they shot, but if you've got anything where there was a camera going during a meeting where something relevant to this, you know, or some major development, or even if it's not major, just some interesting creative development happened where you've got Kevin Feige on camera or you've got the Russos or somebody on camera, whether it's something that was improvised on set or, I mean, in my dream of dreams, they would have had some cameras in in that uh, that now famous conference room for Infinity War and Endgame that Marcus and McFeely have shared some photos of, of like the whiteboards they had in there, of just them just talking it out and coming up with some of these decisions. Like I would love to see some of that and then just have all new interviews, not just repeats of, of interviews that already happened from, uh, from previous home releases and electronic, uh, electronic press kits and all of those kinds of things that are, that are standard. I really would love some new stuff, uh, to really, that, that now factors into it. Like, as you mentioned with the commentary tracks, I would love fresh commentary tracks. I mean, we've already got, uh, you know, Russo's and Marks and McFeely. They've done like Civil War and Infinity War and Endgame. I don't necessarily need one from them. I know Feige, I believe, I know he's on the Thor of the Dark World commentary track. I can't remember off the top of my head if he's on any other ones. Um, But even then, though, like like you said with Favreau, like it would be kind of great to have Favreau and Feige on a commentary track of Iron Man now. You know, not... Not when they were, you know, had just released Iron Man and they were record, you know, recording a commentary track for the initial Blu-ray release. But imagine them with everything that happened and everything that the MCU became from the foundation built by Iron Man to hear Favreau and, and Feige talking about it now. That would be cool. But it doesn't have to be because I know, I mean, Kevin Feige's a busy guy. Uh, I know he can't sit down and record 23 commentary tracks. So I, I won't expect that. But it doesn't mm-hmm. mean he can't give commentary on the 23 films. You know, he, it doesn't necessarily have to be a commentary track that goes the whole length of the entire movie. 
but in that feature-length documentary about the Infinity Saga, check in with every film. Give every single film a little bit of love with fresh perspective and commentary via interviews and, and via some extra whatever behind-the-scenes footage you have to go all the way from Iron Man to The Incredible Hulk to Iron Man 2 to Thor all the way to Captain Marvel, Endgame, Spider-Man Far From Home. Show the whole thing uh, to really give you know, to really give us a look at what this journey was like for those of them in the offices at Marvel Studios and highlight some other cool stuff. I mean, highlight, um, I mean, there's some stuff that's already been highlighted that you could put back into it. I mean, the the famous panel at Comic-Con in 2006 where Feige, you know, because of a fan question, actually acknowledged like, hey, we just kind of, we just so happen to kind of have the rights to the Avengers right now. Um, Through Comic-Con in 2007, debuting the Iron Man footage, to, I mean, the Disney purchase in 2009, to the Avengers uh, assembling on stage for the first time ever at uh, in Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con in 2010, the Tom Hiddleston Loki stuff in 2013, um, all this kind of stuff. Give me something. I mean, was there a camera anywhere on the day that the Spider-Man deal came in? Like, give me that too. I mean, just, I would love to know. And if you don't have it on camera, then get an interview of somebody who can tell us what it was like when it was there that day uh, and br- just bring us into the feeling of those moments of these major milestones along the way in the development of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, and go back and, and tell us, because not clearly, based on the alternate version of the Iron Man post credit scene, it's not like all of this stuff, and they've said as much, it's not like they've been lying to us. This whole thing wasn't figured out uh, from the get-go. They knew they wanted to make a good Iron Man movie. They wanted to make a good Hulk movie and then had the dream of of starting to connect things and building towards the Avengers. But they didn't have, even through a lot of phase one, this whole vision of of how this was going to go and that it was going to be this 11 year thing uh, that would culminate in Infinity War and Endgame. So I would love to know and hear about when it became that, like when it when it shifted from let's just make Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk to let's make Avengers to, okay, now that we've made Avengers, let's do this much, much bigger thing and let's really build to it. Uh, I would love to know, I'd love to know what it was like during those steps. I know you there, it's not like they would have had cameras rolling the entire time they were developing the infinity saga. So I know a lot of that stuff you wouldn't have on camera, but give me the interviews where you describe those things happening. The people who were there, um, whether that's Kevin Feige or Louis D'Esposito or Victoria Alonso or, you know, the Parliament folks, whether it's, uh, you know, Stephen Broussard or Brad Winterbaum or uh, he's not there anymore, but, you know, was during a lot of that stuff, Jeremy Latcham. Like, I want to know about all of the folks that played a part in this and and know about the, the key the key moments, the key decisions that were made uh, along the way, because that stuff is, is fascinating to me. Like, it's I've said it. I think the Infinity Saga is the greatest cinematic saga of all time in my book, and I would love to know as much as I can about how it came together. Because even though I'm somebody who has followed this universe and the developments of this stuff uh, on screen and and behind the scenes, I've tr- I've followed it as much as I can uh, and been talking about it as much as I can. But I, even I'm aware that there is so much that I don't know and that we don't know uh, that I would just love to get as much information as I can on because I love this universe dearly and I love this era of this universe dearly. And I just want to know, uh, everything that I can about it. So, um, 
it's not just about oh really fun really cool you know buzzworthy deleted or alternate scene here uh, i want i want as much information i can on on what they were thinking uh throughout this whole ride and, and i think uh a feature length documentary would allow for that although even if it's not one single feature length documentary if it's several uh features that they go through but it shouldn't be the you know the 3 to 5 minute featurette i mean these should be long things that that take us through uh, this whole journey and, and what it was like for the people who were making it as they were making it. Yeah, I, I think that to me is the deciding factor. They have to go deep, deep, deep and give us really great content from the documentary kind of side. And I think that's, again, I love that stuff. And that's very much lacking in in the releases. I think the commentaries are great. I think that's really awesome. And with with home releases right now, it's really hard to get, people excited to buy and have special features i think star wars has done a pretty decent job even though i don't love the last jedi i, th- I thought the hey, last jedi release was, was perfect well the last jedi a middle chapter in this new trilogy not even the end of a thing uh that one got a feature length documentary about the making yeah. of it so yeah exactly. and, and so when i think about the last and i like the last jedi but it, it's nothing against that and i understand it's star wars and, and star wars has their own stuff but that's the kind of stuff that I feel like Marvel deserves that kind of treatment, yeah. you know, that prestige kind of treatment with home releases because, look, I think the Marvel home releases have been good. I, I do. I don't have – I've been – I've enjoyed the Marvel home releases, the the bonus features that we've had and all of that stuff and the commentary tracks I've been really into. So it's it's not so much to knock those. But let's be honest. They haven't been as robust as home releases from other studios or even other franchises within Disney's portfolio and so I would like to see the Infinity Saga since it's going to be this massive box set for 23 films that's going to come at a very big price for fans. Uh, I think this should be the time. This should really, truly be a prestige release and have a lot of you know robust special features, not just some extra, you know, not just a dozen or so extra deleted scenes. As fun as that will be, uh, I think there should be uh, something really substantial in it uh, that, that really... Uh, that that also is kind of a, a reward for the fans of here's here's a fresh look at this journey uh, from the people who took you on the journey. Like I I just think that's something that uh, it's not just something that we as, it is something that I think we as fans deserve based on the price that we would be expected to pay for this thing. Um, but even if we want to set aside fan entitlement, because I'm, I'm not a big fan of that in general, no pun intended. Um, but you know, obviously we're going to be asked to pay for it. So there is going to be some little bit of entitlement there, but even setting that aside, I think this saga deserves that kind of treatment. I think it deserves a substantial, you know, feature length type of documentary, um, that, uh, that should be part of a, a box set home release. I mean, and if it's not there, then it better be an original that gets released on Disney plus soon after launch, but why not make it, uh, part of the Infinity Saga box set as a reward for the people who've been on this journey because that's who's buying this box set. Let's be honest. I mean, it's it's being it's going to be bought by people who are going to be mostly like us in terms of having already owned at least one copy of every single film that's in that box set. Except maybe some people would skip Far From Home individually and, and wait for the box set since it's so close. But most people who buy this box set are going to own all the other films, at least one copy of it individually. So if they're spending all this money to get a bunch of movies they already own, what's the extra stuff that you're giving them? Uh, and that should be substantial because I think the fans deserve it, but also this saga deserves it. Yeah, I, I think that this saga needs 
I think again, not in every film that'd be way too expensive. And I don't know if it'd be worth it, obviously, but I think on certain films or on certain discs or whatever, you could have maybe three to four documentaries on maybe every phase or yeah, you could do a, a a documentary like on every phase and maybe on one, on, on one Avengers film, like Avengers one, you could have a documentary kind of a whole phase on that, on that disc. And then that'll be like the hour and a half hour, 20 minute documentary. And then age of Ultron and, and Ant-Man or whatever, you have the whole, you know, hour and a half documentary on, on that, how they developed that and then three and so on and so on. So that to me would be perfect to me. That seems perfect right there. You, you, you put the documentaries around the Avengers films and kind of in the phases and you do that, that to me is what you need to do. So I, I'm in for that. That they need that in their their box set, and hopefully it doesn't cost me an arm and a leg to get it. Yeah, I know it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. I, I just want to feel like it's really worth it, and not ju- and not just because I'm a fan and and I want to have it on my shelf, but because the the new material I'm getting is also a big chunk of of where the value actually comes from with this set. Um, but. What we know we are going to get is from the vault, at least this is the only thing that we know that we're getting, although we still don't know how much of it, but we are going to get deleted and alternate scenes, although one of them we've now already seen. <laughs> so uh, yep. we have this uh, alternate version of the original post-credit scene, uh, or the post-credit scene from the first Iron Man film, uh, the famous first meeting between Nick Fury and Tony Stark. What's different about this version is that Nick Fury openly refers to Hulk. That's no big deal. There was an Incredible Hulk movie being made when Iron Man was being made, and it was coming out just uh, a handful of weeks after Iron Man was in theaters, and Marvel Studios owned the rights to Hulk. No big deal. Uh, But there were a couple of other references there from Fury. Uh, He openly refers to radioactive bug bites, so Spider-Man, and mutants. And so this is all stuff, if you go back to when Iron Man was made... Marvel did not, outside of the Hulk, they were fine with the Hulk, but when it came to Spider-Man and mutants, Marvel did not own the rights to this stuff. Now, you could say that, and it is true, I mean, the language is fairly generic. He doesn't say X-Men, he just says mutants. As far as I know, even the word mutants was off-limits and has been off-limits to Marvel Studios this whole time. Uh, the Spider-Man, the, the Spider-Man thing, though... Obviously, now Marvel can release this scene because they own Fox so they or the Fox movie studio, so they can have stuff that refers to mutants. And even the Spider-Man issue, you could say, well, they're not sharing Spider-Man anymore. Either Sony approved this or they don't actually need Sony to approve it because it is the most generic version of referring to Spider-Man because he just says radioactive bug bites. He doesn't even say spider bites, bug bites, radioactive bug bites. Uh, and he doesn't actually refer to any specific person. Uh, he just talks about bug bites. He doesn't refer to uh, any people or a specific person and certainly not Spider-Man. So it is the kind of stuff that they can get away with. But I'm not really worried as much about how they're getting around movie licenses and all of those things. This just points to Marvel Studios playing their classic never say never or hey, what if type of thing uh, from the very beginning in that when they were shooting this, they figured, you know what? We don't know how exactly this universe is going to come together. We know what characters we have the rights to. But right now, as they're making Iron Man, they're not owned by Disney yet. 
And so everything that they're doing is just based on whatever distri- uh, distribution deals they're working out with studios. So, I mean, they had worked out their deal with uh, Iron Man. Uh, that was at pa- that was at Paramount. And obviously Thor and, and Cap ended up being at Paramount as well in phase one. Uh, and then obviously you had the Hulk over at Universal. But Marvel at that point in time, even though they were their own studio, it was still in that older system, though, of, of kind of farming things out to different studios for distribution. So in their mind... They probably didn't think it was uh, too crazy of an idea that, hey, you know what? Maybe if people like our Iron Man movie, uh, Fox might want to do a crossover. And maybe they would want to distribute some of our movies. Maybe Sony would want to do a crossover with Spider-Man. So it's mm-hmm. and, you know, and it was almost in a way because, you know, Nick Fury is referring to things that already exist, like Spider-Man already existing, not a kid who's going to grow up to become, you know, uh, not somebody like Peter Parker who would be very young when the first Iron Man happened and then grow up. Uh, to become Spider-Man, you know, this was more of stuff of, hey, maybe the, we maybe we cross over with Tobey Maguire. Maybe we cross over with Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman. It's just Marvel Studios at the time being like, we don't know how this is going to come together. And maybe something will pop up b- before we actually, between now and the time we actually release this film, maybe something will be worked out. So let's go ahead and have this version of it ready, uh, just in case we might be able to use it. Obviously, they couldn't, uh, but at least they were thinking that maybe this was something that would happen. Yeah, and this deleted scene is very interesting because I don't think that they probably – I don't think they anticipated it to happen, but they have it there as just in case yeah. they could maybe retroactive it, like, like you said. We don't know that it's going to happen, but we don't know that it's not going to happen. Right, and and I think like like they even said – Kevin even said we kind of were having fun. Just, yeah. we, we didn't think anyone would ever see this, so right. we might as well – Again, never know when they could go back and use this for whatever whatever reason. And I think it was interesting that they did that because I think Kevin's always envisioned a united Marvel Cinematic Universe like the comic books, unlike what we had in the films. And he's always he's always been entrenched in the books and, and trying to do and be as faithful to them as possible. And for the most part, and I think what's 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 funny is that that to him, you could tell even then was important. And the fact that Nick Fury says that just shows how the vision that he was so dedicated to it, that he wanted to have a scene like that. There's no reason to do it than just for fun. And I think just the fact that Kevin wanted to see that or again, and Kevin and probably other people, I don't think it was just Kevin being do those scenes specifically, but I think that he probably supported doing it and, and having fun with it because he wanted to see it. So it's it's almost like he's predicting the future, right? Like this is like him saying this this is my vision, my grand, my if I were in control of everything, this is what I'd want to have happen. And he even in two thousand and seven or eight, when this was being you know created and filmed, he had that idea to have everyone, and this would be the introductory movie to all of that. And it was it's exciting to see it at this point as a deleted scene. But it's still equally exciting as what we got in the real movie as well, right? So all of that is all together. And I, I just I think it's it's a great way for Kevin to really drive home the idea that his vision is to unite everything under one banner. And that ultimately is gonna be happening, with the exception of Spider-Man. And it's he's done an amazing job. And I think it again, it just it just 
it totally just makes me think of totally of what his vision is and and the fact that he's getting it pretty much right now. It's pretty much going to happen. So it's really exciting and it's really, really funny the fact that he can release this and say, yeah, this is what I thought and it's happening. Yeah, no, it's just, it's crazy to me. Like, I, I'm just... I'm just delighted by the fact that they even bothered to shoot this in the first place. Like just that idea of, meh, you know what? It's probably not going to work out for us to be able to actually use this in the movie, but let's just get this for us. And maybe we'll be able to do something with it one day. Uh, or maybe we won't. Maybe it'll sit there in the vault and it will never be released. And the only people who will know that this happened are those of us who were on set that day and anybody else who might have access to the vault, but for everybody else, they're none the wiser. And then yet uh, this opportunity comes up Obviously, the Fox stuff being in the fold now with Disney and Marvel Studios and at least some sharing with Spider-Man. But as I said, the language probably makes it OK on the on the Spider-Man reference anyway uh, to just now have this as, you know, an extra little thing for this Infinity Saga box set. Uh, it's awesome. Of course, now this scene is, is kind of everywhere already. So like I said, it's not I don't know how much value this specific alternate scene is now adding to the Infinity Saga box set because everybody will have already seen it. Uh, but if the other stuff, uh, as I said before, is on this level. Uh, or anywhere close to it, uh, then it'll be a lot of fun to keep going through all of this stuff. Uh, and I can't wait to see more of it. But this one uh, this one was absolutely a lot of fun. Now, before we finish all of the fun for this week's show, there are some things to go over. Uh, and I do recommend that you actually stick around for the stuff that we're going to be talking about, because you'll definitely want to hear what Paul has to say. Uh, but before I let him say it, I have some folks that we really need to thank. So thank you very much to Maxwell, Kara Sparman, or Sparman, or maybe it's Kara Sparman or Sparman. Sorry, trying to ho- hopefully getting it right. Uh, Astor or Astori Viola, or Viola, uh, Taylor Franck and Sean Higgins. Thank you all very much. They are the latest patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. So they have access to exclusive content from this podcast that is not available anywhere else. That includes things like Patreon credit scenes, where we take our main show, like this one, and we discuss an additional topic. So for this Patreon credit scene, we're going to talk about uh, Haley Steinfeld being Marvel's choice for Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series. Uh, but we also do all kinds of other exclusives. There's a weekly Q&A show, uh, which you can listen to along with those Patreon credit scenes for just a dollar a month. But we have other tiers that allow you to actually submit questions for the Q&A show, as well as join our Discord community with a lot of really awesome Marvel fans and we have, who we have great conversations with uh, every single day. I would say every single week, but it's really every single day uh, over on the Discord. We also have more exclusive audio like the Daily Bugle, a Monday through Friday news show that I host. Uh, there's an open Q&A where people can ask questions that are not necessarily Marvel related. Uh, we have exclusive commentary tracks uh, coming to the Marvel Studios News Patreon. So lots of stuff. And if you do subscribe to our Patreon, whatever tier you choose, the exclusive audio uh, comes with your own private RSS link that you can put into a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, for example, and subscribe via RSS. So that way you get all of your Marvel Studios News content, this podcast, as well as the Patreon exclusives, all of it comes into one feed so you don't have to track it down in multiple places. And so for more information on all of the different exclusives that we have, uh, as well as our Discord community, please visit patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Paul, what exciting development can you share with our uh, with our friendly fans here? Well, I've got some developing things going on here. <clears throat> I've got a project that I've been wanting to kind of start with my good buddy Chris here. Chris Clow of Modern Myth Media fame and uh, a good friend of ours. And we have recently started a new podcast 
and it is called the Comic Binge Podcast. And I'm literally just announcing it today as of Tuesday the 18th, I believe it is the 18th. Uh, and it, on this show will be the first time I'm really talking about it. So uh, we did our first episode. And uh, what the Comic Binge Podcast is, it's dedicated to the comic subscription subscription services that are available like Marvel Unlimited, DC Universe, and Comicsology Unlimited. Now, what we – people know I'm the comic book guy of the show. I you know, Obviously, Sean loves comics as well, but the comics are more – the Marvel thing is the comics are more of my thing. And – I love comics. Comics are my jam and I, I love them. And for those listen to the book club show on Patreon, which is a great show. I love doing it. It's one of my passion things to do for, for Marvel studios news. Um, we, we, we have a great time. Well, this will be kind of like that a little bit different, but basically the comic binge podcast is going to be about, uh, we, me or Chris are going to rotate picking a run about of a character or a writer and we just kind of will go through and and read a review kind of the four or five, six issues that we're reviewing. And basically we're going to be tell and explain where to go after this. So where, if you love or liked what you read or what we read and went over, we kind of explain where, where do you go after this? Where, where do you, what other issues can you go down? And basically to continue the comic binge, if you will. And it's aimed at people who maybe are, are kind of don't know where to go to read, you know, comics, meaning if they don't know where to start and they want to get into comic books, but it's hard because I, I love the medium and I want to promote the medium as much as possible, as much as these films have come out and have done such a great job promoting these characters that I love in the comic books. I feel the comic books are still not getting the love they deserve as far as the attention and people you know, getting some popularity with them. And obviously they're more popular, but I feel it could be even bigger. And I just think there's there needs to be more welcoming shows out there that are are just kind of aimed at people that maybe don't know where to go and they don't want to read a bunch of information about where to you know start this or start that. Well, the Comic Binge podcast is going to be all about a place where you can go into the DC Universe app or Marvel Unlimited or Comicsology Unlimited. We, we review and we help you and we you know, have fun and kind of we go over the, the comic books or whatever. And then you kind of can decide if you want to continue that binge. So for the first episode, uh, our friend uh, Chris here, he what he did, he chose a Superman Last Son. And it's Action Comics 844 to 846 and then 851 annual 10 and 11. Now it's a lot of information, but you can follow me on Twitter on us on Twitter. I should say at comp. The, let me make sure I get this right. The at binge comic that's binge comic on Twitter. Um, it, we just got the RSS feed, um, on Apple uh, podcast. So it's all brand new. It's going to be twice a month. Um, the next series will, or next episode is going to be about doom 2099, uh, written by Warren Ellis. I have a lot to talk about with that. So, um, please, 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 uh, subscribe on, uh, iTunes and, and check it out. Listen, uh, follow us on Twitter. It's again, this is just basically a passion for me and Chris. We love comics. We want people to read and we want people to feel if, again, if you're someone who wants to get into comics and you just don't know, this is what it's meant for. It's meant for people who really want to read comics and, and get into it, but just don't know where to go. And uh, obviously, in the first episode, I kind of explained that a little bit. What I when I'm going here, I'm sorry, this is long, Sean. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, but thank you so much um, for giving me this platform to do that. And please, again, comic binge at on Twitter, but it's a, the comic binge podcast. It should show up soon on Apple any day now. 
Um, you can already download it. I'm going to have the link on my Twitter as well. And Chris will. So uh, please follow me on there and also follow me on Twitter. If you're not already at Herman 22 with two ends. So thank you, Sean. Sorry for that being so long. No, no problem at all. I'm, I'm actually happy to, uh, to hear about the podcast. It sounds like a lot of fun and I agree with you and Chris. I think there's a need for a show like that. We do a bit of it with the Marvel Unlimited book club, but that's not enough. One monthly show that's exclusive yes. to people on a Patreon. So, uh, I think it's a really great show or a really great idea for a show. Uh, the episode isn't up yet, so I haven't listened to it, so I can't say <laughs> the show itself is great. It just but got I, released today. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure it's great based on the people involved because yeah. it's Paul Herman and Chris Clow. So the podcast is great. You should all definitely listen to it. Uh, and as I said, I, I do think there is a need for that. I think there are a lot of folks who want to get into comic books because they see these movies and television shows and all this stuff where uh, superheroes are present uh, and they want to go into it, but they don't necessarily know uh, what direction to take. That question comes in actually frequently on our Discord community of people wanting to know more about certain characters and then having to point them in the direction. So I know that there are uh, a lot of people out there looking for that kind of information and, and that kind of show. Uh, and I think you and Chris are uniquely qualified to give them, uh, to give the world a Thank show you. like that. So make sure you check that out. Um, and if you want to follow this show, uh, you can do that in all the usual places. There's our website, marvelstudiosnews.com, Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News, and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. As Paul said, you can follow him at Herman22 with two N's, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 